0: It's time for taking care of business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands
1: 103.
2: Hello and a very good evening to you all, it's Tuesday, it's 7pm, what else could it be but taking care of business with me, Ronan Berry, coming up on the show between now and 8pm. Neil Richmond, the Minister of State, the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment with special responsibility for business, employment and retail, will be here to discuss the supports for businesses provided in Budget 2024, including some more detail on that €250 million Euro increased cost of business scheme that was announced on the day. Also, I'll be joined by local entrepreneur Owen Barra, who last week netted €200,000 at a pitch competition for Tipple. It's his new startup that's developing a software platform for managing global excise duty and VAT on alcohol sales. Also, CEO Siobhan Finn of the Community Enterprise Association of Ireland will be here to talk about the launch of a new guidance handbook for good governance across the National Hub Network. That and a lot more coming up. If you want to join this evening's conversation, as always, you can do so by text or WhatsApp on 083 3010 103. And if you've got something you'd like to email me about, about the show in general Business at Midlands 103 is always the best way to get me And I love hearing from you all Now to begin this evening though I'd like to introduce you to Mr David Walsh from Dave's Chimney Repairs and Don't you just love a business that pretty much does exactly what it says on the tin? Dave is based in Dorough County, Offaly And uh, has a long career of actually working the building trade And uh, set up Dave's Chimney Repairs many years ago, Dave? Oh
3: it's nearly 27 years now at this stage So
2: You're an old hand at it yeah. at this stage anyway after doing a good few of them now, I suppose. Look, it it almost sounds obvious as well, but uh, chimney repairs um, sounds like something that keeps you quite busy on a day. Not a job for everyone,
3: I'd imagine. Well, you've want a good head for heights, anyway, because most of the work is on top of the roofs, and taking down stacks off of the roof and relining the chimneys. That's uh, most of the work we do. like you know.
2: I suppose we live in an area that is still and look at, despite what um, many people would say, we're going to be using things like turf and fossil fuels for a long time, that surely brings a lot of wear and tear on a standard chimney in a
3: person's house. Yeah, especially uh, <coughs> the turf now, is clogs up the chimney a lot and uh, creates crease soap along the chimney and it causes a lot of fires and that. That's why it's very busy around the Midlands now where most of the work I get is around Tullamore in the Midlands area where the chimneys will be burning turf and uh, there would be a lot of fires in the chimneys and then the liner cracks from the fire and then it's dangerous to use it. So we go in and put the CCTV uh, up into the chimney and that identifies where the liner is cracked. And then we bring in the the insurance policy covers because it it's a fire in the chimney and insurance covers for fire damage. And that's where the policy covers you for to get the chimney repaired. Like, And uh, we we carry out all the work with the survey and do the report for the insurance and then the insurance will pay for the cost of the repairs like you know so that's why it's very important to have house insurance because this is a fairly common case especially around the Midlands area like you know
2: Yes because it can be quite dangerous if it's not attended to, like if you had a cracked liner that can lead to a, a collapse of a chimney potentially Oh yeah
3: yeah. I've often seen it there where a bad fire can actually crack the stack in the chimney it could cause a house fire you know and uh was when the soup gets through the crack in the liner it spreads because like when you're using the chimney if you could have a fire and maybe it's six months after you didn't realise you had a fire but then the tar is spreading out through it you could have a secondary fire which actually could burn the house down like if it went that bad like where if you those those fires from, from chimneys
2: Can the early kind of signs of that be seen typically during say routine cleaning as well or like cause are, yeah. you, are you actually at a point where you're looking for bits of liner maybe in, in your fire grate
3: or in your stove? Yeah, well, you would know is let's say if there's sand come down the chimney or something like that from where the filling is coming through the the liner when the, the fire cracks the liner, uh, you'd see some debris coming down. So some of the flue liner itself would break, and then the filling comes through that, like you know. So that's the kind of the most common sign that you'd be looking out for, you know. Or if there's a, a blockage in the chimney where the smoke's not going up, that's where a liner could actually collapse and block the the flue completely where the smoke comes back into the house this can happen fairly quickly you know in a, in a fire case like it can actually block quick and then the smoke can go through the house and they have a lot of carbon monoxide going through the house which yeah can actually kill people like you know so it is a serious thing yeah, to we, and and I'd say after, a lot of you know? people
2: probably underestimate just how important the chimney is not just from the point of view of taking out the smoke and for you know, the, the efficient burning of fuels but they're often a central structural part of the house so really it's not a job for uh, somebody who's not trained in it to go yeah. at how long does it typically take, say, a standard bungalow, a 3 bed bungalow, or four bed bungalow in the Midlands, if a chimney needs to be replaced? You know, what are you looking at,
3: and, and how do you go about it? How long does it take? Yeah, uh, we usually take about three days to do it, like you know, because you have to do it with health and safety, you know, you have to say up scaffolding and stuff like that, like you know, and uh, we set that up, prep all, all the work, get to, and we to break into the chimney, so we have to punch a hole in the wall, <coughs> pull out all the liners completely, plus all the filling. All that goes in the bin, then we go back in with all new stuff and, and uh, put it all back together like you know. Yeah, there's Be no like um, empty,
2: there's no half measures like that's tough physical that's it, labour yeah, It's hard hard hitting like you know. Yeah, well, you look you're, you're showing every sign of it, you're well built. I wouldn't it. take you on in a row anyway, yeah, that's yeah. for sure. But um beyond that though as well, you have expanded the business over the years too. You're originally a stonemason or a bricklayer, am I correct in that? Yeah, a well,
3: bricklayer betrayed like you know, I'm in the building game since I was fifteen, like so I was forty year, like fifty five now, giving away my edge there, you know. Yeah, but you don't look you don't look it. at it
2: say that for you but you, you also do general building for people and, and all yeah, sorts of houses yeah, do
3: you one person actually there last year he had a bad chimney fire whereas actually the house was lucky I don't know how we didn't get burnt to the ground because the whole chimney was falling under like you know but uh, we went in anyways and I said to him I said look at, this is not just your standard chimney job this lad has to go completely out of it dig a foundation and rebuild a, a brand new chimney into it like you know but uh, he actually got us to do the full ramp, ramp of the house then after as well, like, you know, so we've done everything from let's say pull the Jimmy down, then done up the whole house for him as well, like putting new windows the all lot. like, you know, so whatever you want done, like we we've done it down through the years, like, you know. Yeah, so. and
2: there's there's a couple of texts coming in there already and even a certain Joe Wynn there, are people had know Joe through his music and of course through his driving school as well. And he's just says he couldn't recommend Dave Walsh highly enough. They said he built some, out, did some outdoor work for him as well. He said it's absolutely top class and uh, he just says he can't recommend them enough. And that's been reiterated by a few people. So uh, you're clearly doing something right anyway, Dave. And um, uh, it's busy out there, I guess you're probably kind of chock a block area in terms of chimneys. But I suppose there's an element of yeah, kind well, of emergencies. Yeah, in well, then
3: We actually, like, we just go through fairly quick. Like, you know what I mean? So when it comes in, we can rotate very quick. There's not really much of a waiting. Let's uh, we'll say I get the phone call. Let's say, to go to somebody, you have to have an issue with the chimney where there's damage done to it and it has to be relined, and the insurance thing was showing everything else, like, you know, by the time everything is settled, we're ready to get the job done, like, so it's moving fairly kind of steady along, like, you know what I mean? That we're not actually having a build-up of work in front of us. Like, we work a small crew as well, like, so we kind of just get it done because We know where we're at, like you know, yeah. it's you've, it's you've definitely repetition. identified
2: your niche anyway. And as I say, the Midlands is going to be probably plenty of cases out there too. I suppose you mentioned the insurance there for people. Is there is around the need to kind of be checking up there? I think is it under insuring can often be an issue maybe in, in cases like
3: this? Yeah, Sorry. a lot of people in, is not aware of, let's say, what the under insurance is until something actually happens. Like you know, next thing the adjusters and it comes in, they say, Oh, well, I don't know, you're underinsured here because the. The thing to watch out for is the rebuilding cost of the house. Like people say, oh sure, you know, I bought the house for £180,000 like, know, and I'll insure for one hundred and ninety or whatever. Like, you know, but the rebuilding cost could be maybe 250 or two eighty or whatever, the way things are going out the minute, you know. And that's kind of where they're caught out, you know what I mean? Yeah, suspects so are <coughs> at renewal stage. Yeah, probably so good it's probably good for people good. to check that and just make yeah. sure they're, they're adequately insured that's in right, the yeah, event that they yeah. do have to avail of that. to get the advice off the adjusters and the insurance companies and the assessors and that, like, you know, so... Kind of if they listen to them and kind of do what they tell them to do they're fairly okay like you know so anybody listening who has
2: spotted maybe debris or sand or bits of you know heavy stuff in their in their fireplaces or their stoves or even maybe has had an incident of maybe almost had a fire in the last while they really should yeah be or an issue at, with I,
3: smoke coming back into the room and stuff like that where it's not flowing properly out like you know what I mean anything really that's kind of a problem like you know it's an issue to it Smoke What's or whatever coming down the chimney, stuff that's coming down and not going up, like you know. What's the best way for people to find you? That's it. I oh, shouldn't get me on I uh, have a website there, so it's um, death repairs uh, at gmail dot com, like or is it. Dave Chimney Dave w- w- Repairs. W- repairs I uh, Dave Chimney www.davechimneyrepairs.com Yeah, yeah. Com, www. Dave yeah I'm in the repairs. newspaper there as well. Like, of so course, and you can get on the socials
2: as well. But anyway, Dave, thanks so much for coming yeah. in as well. And uh, hopefully, the weather is good to you in the last couple of days. Not a yeah. great time to be on roofs, but anyway. As you look at No bothered you. Thanks, no one Dave, very much that's for having me. Down. Dave Walsh there from Dave's yeah. Chimney Repairs. They say. Check him out on Dave's Chimney Time for a short break. After that, I'll be joined by Minister Neil Richmond. He's going to talk about all the budget supports that were announced as part of Budget 2024 the week before last Talk to you shortly
0: taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash Offaly and Westmead find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.
2: Still to come on Taking Care of Business I'll be joined by Owen Barra He's the founder of Tipple It's a new platform That's been developed To uh, help manage Global excise duty And VAT On alcohol sales Owen of course Was very successful Last week At the SASDOC event Up in Dublin He won 200,000 200, euros For his business So he'll tell us Exactly how he did that In just a short while Also Siobhan Finn from the Community Enterprise Association of Ireland, will be along to talk about their new guidance handbook for good governance across the national hub network. Now, but before that, two weeks ago, we had the announcement of all the details of Budget 2024. And of course, within that budget, there was lots of uh, supports targeted specifically at businesses. And you know, as we all know, it's been a challenging couple of years for business on many different aspects. And the government have taken a lot of measures to support those businesses and to support them through the various crises. Unfortunately, some of those crises seem to keep coming. If you were down in the south of the country over the last week or two, you'd be really facing the, the torrent of rain that has really kind of disrupted business down there again. And, and these crises keep, keep coming. But I suppose to find out more and to look deeper at some of those measures that were announced in last week's budget, I'm delighted to be joined by Neil Richmond. And Neil is Minister of State at the Department of Enterprise Trade and Employment. And he has special responsibility for business, employment and retail. And uh, he joins me now. A uh, Very good evening, Minister. Teamwork. Minister, a lot of the, with all the details that were announced in the budget, and we've all, I suppose, on the radio and across media, we've, we've looked at a lot of these a lot closer. One thing that jumped out for people was, in particular, that €250 million Euros that was put aside for increased cost of business scheme. Can you take us through some of the kind of details on that and maybe eligibility criteria?
1: Well, we've decided that, obviously, the cost of business has gone up considerably over the last year, the last number of years in terms of energy costs, in terms of interest rates, as well as certain changes that are coming in, in relation to minimum wage or enrollment. And we recognize that for a lot of businesses, particularly SMEs, this is a lot of things at one time, and there is a need for an element of a cash injection. So we looked at the TBS scheme last year and what were the issues that a lot of people had in terms of drawing down that support for energy, too many forms, um, too complicated, didn't have a broad enough remit, it wasn't worth their while. All of these things that we got in feedback. So we decided to take all the amount of money we put that was allocated to that, as you said, €250 million Euro, into the increased cost of the business scheme. Now this will be, this, will be, this does not require any fulfilling any administration, simply any reasonable business that paid commercial rates of up to €20,000 last year will see up to 50% of their commercial rates um, put back into their account in the first quarter of this year. It's a straight cash injection. It's not the solution to all the problems, but it might give that small shot, particularly on the main street, or someone employing um, a number of people locally. That bit of a cash injection just to get over, over the post-Christmas hump or deal with a, uh, with, a, with a with a difficult bill or whatever the situation is. It's the main big-ticket kind of pro in that we put in the budget. About 87% of businesses in the country 130,000 different businesses will be eligible for this, and we very much hope that this will give a, a small boost, even though we recognise it's not the, the full solution to all the main problems that have been thrown up.
2: Can you take us through the kind of decision making process around setting that cap at, say, rates up to 20,000 euros? Like, does it, does it capture the, the, the business that it's intended to capture?
1: Well we very much looked for um an amount we can work with, two hundred and fifty million is what we were able to get allocated by the Department of Public Expenditure. So within that we want to see, well how can we spread this as widely as possible and still make it meaningful? So we could have made it open to all businesses and it would only cost maybe hundred or two hundred euro Whereas this will allow all those applying to get a, a genuine, a decent whack of money, as I said, up, up to fifty percent of the rates. Twenty thousand euros was the number that we came to um, with officials of the economists in the department that would allow us to capture as many businesses as possible, particularly aimed at SMEs. This isn't aimed at the multinational corporations or the or the large scale employers or those who maybe don't have a physical presence and didn't uh, in, didn't have to endure sort of sort of rising cost. Um, that we would have seen over the last year or two. So €20,000 was the amount um, that we settled on. Now, th- we will, to be honest with you, and we will have to be an element of flexibility because there are a number of businesses, to so one business owner in Malvern, not too far from yourself, um, you know, today whose who's rate bill last year was €20,000 and 600 So we're looking at how we can include as many people, but there does have to be a, a cut-off point somewhere.
2: And of course, you might have other businesses that have premises, maybe in different jurisdictions. Like so, that could maybe put burden on them in terms of applying to different local authorities. Or again, will that be something that you'll try to overcome quite quickly with by by streamlining the the application process?
1: Well, there's no application process. This is the beauty of a road. And if you pay commercial rates in any local authority in the Republic, last year, um, your commercial rates bill. Um, will be used to evaluate what amount that you'll be given straight back in. You as I said, you won't need to fill in any forms, you won't need to take some money. It'll just come straight into your account in the first quarter of twenty twenty four.
2: Another thing that was announced in the budget too was an expansion of the sports that the local enterprise offices can deliver as well. Can you take us through some of the kind of key 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 factors in that?
1: Absolutely. We increased the funding for local enterprise offices by 9 million euro. We're increasing the funding because we want them to do more. They've been extremely successful. We look at it, say, in Westmeath last year, where 258 companies created 195 jobs. They were all supported by the local enterprise office, which obviously is a minimum of a fortnight's time uh, in Mullingar. What we want to do is expand the companies they work with. So, not just the, the new companies, the uh, entrepreneur, the startup, and previously up to 10 employees, but to spread that out up to 50 employees and to allow those companies have better access to the training schemes, to the mentoring supports, but also the grant aid to help um, with streamlining systems, with digitizing your business, getting online, or you know, expanding your online offering, as well as helping you to decarbonize your business supports for energy efficiencies, and work through the system, either operated through the local enterprise office or in tandem with them. Um, Yes, the SEAI to get as much support to reduce your energy bills at source, but also to make you a more environmentally efficient business.
2: Of course, when we mentioned that whole thing around environmental efficiencies and looking at making our business more sustainable, more circular, there does remain a large number of businesses too that are dependent on on you know fossil fuels such as kerosene. And um, you know, many across manufacturing, even the food sector too. And you've also introduced the business user support scheme there for for kerosene users as well. What what will that entail for business owners?
1: Well, this scheme has been open for a couple of months now and it was a reflection that we got an awful lot of businesses who applied for the Business Energy Support Scheme weren't eligible because they were using kerosene, particularly those in more rural areas. So we brought in a scheme where they could get a minimum payment of now applications are only open for um, a couple more days, but we have a good, a, a good um, amount of people who would have purchased kerosene between the 1st of March and the 31st of December 2022, and they get 50% of the increased cost from that period into the 2023 period. So really uh, easy application process, as I said, it, it, can, it closes in about four days time, or sorry, seven days time. But any business that hasn't applied for it yet just needs to go on to ie, and uh, there's an opportunity for them to get, a, 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 as I said, an element of uh, funding to, to go towards the increased cost they would have had with kerosene over the last year.
2: Yeah, something I'm sure affected business will welcome given the the, the, the sharp rise in oil and kerosene prices You know, after the, the invasion of the Ukraine as well. But I'm looking at other things there too. The expansion of the R&D tax credits should be of interest to SMEs around the region.
1: Yeah, like this is one that a lot of people say, oh, this is a for most national companies or this is a big one in relation to FDI, and, and that's true, but the tax credit previously was 25%. We've increased it to 30% cognizant of the changes to corporation tax that are coming in due to OECD agreement, but what is really interesting is that we're increasing the first year upfront payment from €25,000 to €50,000, and that's a particular benefit to SMEs who want to get into this space, but also... For those companies, those multinational companies and, and, and external investors who rely on Irish SMEs and um, businesses to service industry, and that could be cleaning contractors or it could be uh, small-scale manufacturers who feed into the supply chain of those larger corporations whose business we are so grateful for in this jurisdiction.
2: And of course, another important aspect too, from from any Irish company, and particularly startup, and we have some already some global leaders and some new startups coming too. But a lot of new businesses are dependent on things like investment through organisations like Enterprise Ireland or Intertrade Ireland, but also through angel investors or VC as well. And there's been a reduced there's a reduced rate from capital gains on that. And um, what what when that's broken down, what does that mean for investors, or indeed for those people whose businesses those investors are putting money into?
1: Well, we've reduced the capital gains tax down to 16 percent uh, for angel investors on uh, gains up to three million euros so it makes it a lot more attractive um for investors to put their money into a company and to and to allow that company to survive it gives the opportunity for angel investors either from within the jurisdiction or come out without or come from outside the, in, the jurisdiction to back those new businesses they're probably not that new a business but businesses who are keen to scale up and not be massively penalized in terms of taxation if that company succeeds we think it's a win-win and it's something we're very aware of. we want those come a uh, lot so many companies go to us we've got a great idea we're starting to move along, but we need that access to finance and um, outside state support outside the traditional lenders in order to be able to grow our company to perhaps move into an export market or just keep up with the changing trends particularly when it comes in particularly when it comes into the- into the tech uh, sector
2: And of course, uh, I mentioned earlier the the invasion of Ukraine that that happened and and had such a seismic impact on on pretty much every aspect of people's lives. Again, on businesses coming not long after the the pain brought on by the COVID pandemic. But there are still schemes there where businesses who are affected by by that invasion can can actually look at getting some money back too. What does that entail, I suppose, And, and how long are those supports likely to continue for?
1: Well, only um, a couple of weeks before the budget, we announced a three million euro allocation to the Ukraine Credit Guarantee Scheme, and this provo- provides provide low-cost loans up to a million euro for businesses impacted by the war in Ukraine. And um, you know, this is a fund worth over a billion euro. It's going to be it's administered generally by local credit unions and recognises businesses lost. Um, perhaps a supply, supply chain, perhaps they've lost customers, uh, or indeed their energy bills have shot up because they're relying on imports from Ukraine. So this is a good way for a lot of businesses to get a serious amount of low-cost finance to meet um, the loss in revenue that they would have had due to the, the vicious war in Ukraine. Of
2: course, we see even recently, as of yesterday, there was some kind of statistics brought out about the number of Companies' business in the hotel sector, in particular, that are are housing refugees, majority coming from the Ukraine as well. It's quite significant around the Midlands. Offley's in the twenty percent, West Westmead's about eighteen percent. From a business, Boza, and regenerating that whole tourism sector, how long in government do you see that continuing for, and, and at what point will those hotels be able to kind of return to almost full occupancy? That's available for tourists or you know business conferencing beds.
1: Well, there's a balance to be had here. Obviously, we have not just a moral obligation and a legal obligation to those who to war, but for a lot of hotels, particularly in the quieter times of the year, this is a viable option to keep them um, business coming in. However, we have, we are looking at new schemes in relation to uh, encouraging new arrivals from Ukraine to spend a lot less time, maybe just three months, in hotel accommodation provided by the state. Afterwards, they'll need to look at either private accommodation on the rental market or in terms of the... The accommodation that is volunteered by private citizens and private homes or holiday homes administered to the Irish Red Cross. Um, a lot, the hotels themselves have not necessarily been uh, impacted by this decision, but a lot of businesses that rely on that hotel trade and um, you know, the task and the high seat for. You know, the, the, the catering company that feeds in, the, uh, the florists, the balloon company, the events management company, they have been impacted with the lack um, of bed nights. And so certainly something that we were aware of this summer, we saw the decline in certain parts of the Midlands, of course, and it needs to be reflected on seriously to make sure that our hotel sector plays its full part in our, in our domestic tourist offering.
2: Minister Neil Richmond, thank you so much for taking time this evening and for taking us through those supports as well announced in the budget two weeks ago. and um, hopefully, if you're listening there that is of, of use to your company, check out those things that Minister Richmond has mentioned. But that uh, Minister Richmond, thank you for that. Thank you. Neil Richmond, of course, is a Minister of State at the Department of Enterprise Trade and Employment and he has special responsibility for business, employment and retail. And I think it is, it's important that we look at all those measures brought in, in the budget or, or, you know, proposed in the budget and, and before they go to, the finan- or go to the stage of the finance build because there are supports out there for businesses and there's attempts to diversify that support and capture as many businesses as, as possible within that. So, you know, don't be afraid of clicking on the websites. Don't be afraid of looking them up and making those applications. And as the Minister pointed out there, Things like the increased cost of business scheme in terms of getting back up to 50% of your commercial rates where you pay up to €20,000. There's no application process. You can automatically get those. So just make sure that your name is in that pot and you can get back any cash and badly needed cash that your business might need. Time for a quick break. After that, we're going to look at a new governance document for the connected hubs right across the country. And then we'll be talking to Owen Barra to the founder of Tipple. It's a brand new software platform and he won a competition last week which puts 200 thousand euros into his business he'll be along shortly to tell that story talk to you then
0: taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business
2: the Community Enterprise Association Ireland has just launched a new guidance handbook for good governance across the national hub network and of course there are many hubs have popped up around the Midlands both pre-pandemic and certainly during the pandemic and now post pandemic as the way in which people work has I'd say change forever as well. Well, the CEO of the CEAI is Siobhan Finn, and Siobhan joins me now. Siobhan, a very good Siobhan, a very good evening. Could you maybe just give us an overview of the as to who the CEAI are and what you do?
4: Absolutely, Ronan, and thanks for having me on here this evening. So, the CEAI or the Community Enterprise Association Ireland, <clears throat> we're a representative organisation um, looking after the interests of the enterprise centres and enterprise hubs right around the country, of which there are a multitude across the Midlands and we work very closely with government with the department of enterprise trade and employment and with enterprise ireland who are the primary funders of the sector to really assist and support centers and hubs to lobby on their behalf um, on everything from energy supports to employment grants and then on a very practical day-to-day basis we support the centers themselves with any challenges they may be having and also very importantly identifying opportunities for them to, to to grow and to scale um, in the different regions around the country.
2: And of course, that whole area of governance is something that, you know, throughout the media and, and any week is is regularly featured as well. And we know one organisation in Dublin that's been kind of through the mill in terms of that recently. But I suppose with the growth of the hubs, there probably was this need to go and develop this handbook around creating and ensuring the corporate governance of, of the hubs.
4: There absolutely was. And I suppose the nature of the sector is that the, the vast majority of these enterprise centres and hubs tend to be companies limited by guarantee, CLG, so they're non-profits with voluntary boards. And Many of them evolved over a period of a number of years and the, I suppose the commitment to develop an enterprise centre and enterprise hub has to lie within the community. And, you know, champions within the community then that are promoting the development of the the entity, the funding of it, and then, you know, the growth and the scaling of it, as well as it accommodates local enterprise and also remote workers. The challenge is that governance is a complex issue. And it's important, really, to get it right from the outset. So this handbook, which we have developed in partnership with Connected Hubs, of the Western Development Commission. This handbook really sets out an A to Z of what good governance looks like in the enterprise sector and hub community, and very particularly what needs to be addressed under the corporate governance framework.
2: I'd imagine large elements were, were almost you know relatively standard, but then it has to be tailored to suit the specific needs of the hubs as well. How did you go about, I suppose, assessing that, assessing the needs there, and then gathering that information?
4: Well, I, I guess in terms of reporting with the CRO, the, the company's registration office, there is a basic set of requirements. Um, so, so we worked off those requirements in terms of assisting centres and hubs understand what the best type of legal entity is um, for them to meet their purpose um, and their, I suppose, their their goals around what they want to deliver into their local communities. And then very specifically after that, understanding what the funding models are and then obviously depending very much on what funding resources are available, the kind of staffing and management structure that needs to be looked at. So this is really, I suppose, it's an A to Z. It's a type of roadmap. It doesn't necessarily answer every single question, but it goes a long way towards addressing the vast majority of questions as you're setting up your centre or hub. I suppose the really important piece is that the team in CEI and the team in Connected Hubs are available to, you know, assist with any additional questions as they arise.
2: And is it up to the individual hubs then to choose whether they actually want to, you know, I suppose, embrace this handbook and, and look at all that? Or will there be a requirement for them to actually, you know, at least show that they are are working towards being being compliant with, or, you know, or at least adhering to the principles within the book?
4: so there isn't a legal requirement to adhere to this particular handbook but there is a requirement um, to demonstrate certain aspects of a of how the business is run and um, such as for example you know fine, filing your financial returns etc and all of that is covered in the handbook in parallel we have another project which we're working on and which will launch in November which is the q Hub programme. So that's a, a type of growth and improvement programme for the sector and governance is one particular pillar of that. So certainly I guess using the handbook and you know working towards the program <clears throat> is a really good way for a centre or a hub to ensure that they've taken the best practice approach to having governance correct within their own within their own C L G.
2: Yeah. And you can imagine like maybe, you know, a, a large suite of, <coughs> of stakeholders involved as well, We've, and then it's particularly at management level too, and some of those mm-hmm. could be community individuals, so I can you can understand why people might want to see those kind of governance frameworks put in place as well. For people looking to kind of maybe get access to the handbook, uh, is it readily available?
4: It is, it is absolutely, and it's free of charge, I suppose, which is the most important piece. So it can be downloaded from our website, which is communityenterprise.ie and there's also just a simple type of um, magazine file on the on the site as well if you just want to browse through it online, but otherwise it's free to download.
2: So it's, it's there, it's there for people who want and it sounds like a fantastic resource absolutely. as well. Um, for now, yeah, Siobhan absolutely. Finn, uh, CEO of the Community Enterprise Association of Ireland. Thank you so much for coming on this evening and uh, congratulations on, on getting that handbook launched.
4: That's great. Thank you, Ronan. Have a good evening.
2: You too, Siobhan. And uh, communityenterprise.ie is that website that Siobhan mentioned as well. You can get free access to that handbook there, which, again, is, is outlining and detailing all the good governance procedures across the National Hub Network. And uh, you can, there was a time you could count on one hand the number of hubs across the Midlands. Uh, it's a huge number now. We must try and put an actual count on it someday because such has been the scale of development in that area across the last couple of years. Time now for a short break. Before that, I'm just going to draw your attention to the Midlands 103 hospitality awards the gala ceremony is taking place very shortly remember if you're on the shortlist you won't want to miss out on what's going to be an amazing night with a drinks reception fabulous meal amazing entertainment and of course the presentation of over 50 awards It all takes place at the Mullingar Park Hotel on Monday, November the 6th. Plus, one lucky finalist who attends on the night will win an incredible €10,000 Midlands 103 marketing campaign for their business. To check out the shortlist and find out how you can get your tickets, see midlands103.com now. A night not to be missed, particularly if you are one of those people on that shortlist. Time for a quick break. After that, you're going to meet a local tech founder who had a very successful um, attempt at pitching his business at an event up in Dublin last week. Find out more in just a couple of moments.
0: Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash Offaly, and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.
2: I'm delighted to be joined in studio now by Owen Barra. Owen is a name kind of synonymous with business and entrepreneurship around the Midlands, uh, formerly of the brand More Gin, a hugely successful Irish gin brand. Um, that of course sparked and created some other ideas in his head and uh, one of those ideas that popped out was is called Tipple and who better to explain it, what it is than uh, own himself own very good evening I suppose, that's the starting point, tell us what Tipple is Ah, oh,
5: Tipple is, uh, it's terribly boring right Because no, I doubt it, I doubt it <laughs> It's tax and compliance and logistics right, so three things that are not synonymous with like oh fun tech company um, but I suppose what happened was I was selling booze and i was selling it in ireland and we're selling in uk and we're selling in different countries but we'd often have tourists come over and they're like i love more can i buy it in germany We're like oh well look we don't actually have a a german distributor they're like oh well can we buy it over the internet and i was like uh well it's really complex because like the taxes are due in germany we don't have a german tax registration we need german VAT register and we're like going hold on we should be able to sell across borders and then when we started looking into it it was super complex So I used to work at Amazon and do tech for Amazon. So we're like, hold on now, I'm having this problem. Surely other alcohol businesses are going to have the same problem. So we started reaching out to a couple and everyone was like, yeah, look, I think this might be it. We're like, okay, well, maybe we should build this as an infrastructure and offer it out to other people. So... That all happened like in, we started in 2019 researching, like going through, like talking to tax people, talk to lawyers, talk to all these things. And then by 2021, we had an idea of how it was going to work. And then by 2022, we raised some money. So we took a small round of 400 grand uh, and then started building it out uh, and then started signing up customers.
2: Um, yeah. And it- so... You, you mentioned a German tourist who hypothetically wants to buy a bottle of your of the gin in Germany. This obviously applies to the large companies and international, like the export market too. That's obviously where the, the main uh, bread and butter is. Yeah, um, so Diageo is one of our customers. Uh, we've got some big names with some small names.
5: Um, but the idea here is to just make it as easy to sell booze as it is to sell anything else
2: online. And is that kind of replicated then globally as well? Is every jurisdiction almost setting its own rules? Yeah. Or are you even seeing, say, jurisdictions within states setting their own rules around alcohol and alcohol sales?
5: Yeah, yeah. So so Europe is kind of like uh, fairly sane and logical. But when you go to the states, so as in we do the states next year, 46 states uh, and they are all different. And then you have different rules inside of different states. So like uh, there's some states... There's some counties inside of US states that are dry, that will not allow you to sell booze at all. Um, And then there's other places that are like, you know, you've got to sell to the government. Some ones are like, you know, it's open, some are closed. There's a whole, like, it's a whole myriad of craziness. But you can, can you factor all that into Tipple, into the software development? Yeah. So we. So the the software handles everything. It does all the rules. It does all the taxes. It uh, figures out the VAT, the excise rates, the duties, any social charges, any environmental taxes. All of that. What stage are you at? We're at seed stage,
2: yeah. Okay, so, so fully working product, you say you've got active customers on it at the minute. Did it take long to develop it? I know your background is in software, but did it take long to actually develop that prototype, that MVP, and get it out there and, and actually road test it? Yeah,
5: yeah. So, like, as in, I, I think when we, from the idea from, like, 2019, so it was January 2019, all the way to, you know, like, even now it's still being developed, you know. But I think the first road test was probably October of last year, so
2: that's, about two and a half years-ish. Yeah, it's a nice it's a it's a, a nice runway, as I say. You mentioned raising four hundred thousand euros. Was that private investment? Would you go to v- angel investors or how did you go about actually raising that? Because for a lot of companies it's a significant sum even at that early stage. Yeah, so
5: that was all angel investors. Um so people we knew, people that are in the industry, um people who are in the tech industry. Um and I heard uh Neil Richmond on before talking about the capital gains
2: being lowered to is it 16%? So yeah, that was sixteen percent? So good news, yeah. yeah. It, it might it might help and encourage encourage even more investment as well but you've got ambitious plans ahead too. you're looking at raising a further is it 4 million as well um your approach going to be vcs and that again or what what's your what's your preferred preferred route in that and I guess how are you going to use that money where is it going to go in terms of of further developing Tipo?
5: Yeah, so uh, I suppose it's it's all institutional money, so venture capitalists. Um, so raising four million euros, we're probably going to hire about sixteen people. Um, so everything from you know sales, marketing, operations, development, all of these things. But the idea is to start with direct consumer, move into business to business, and then you know scale across the world. So we're looking at Australia in Q2 of next year. We're looking at um,
2: Singapore, South
5: Korea, Hong Kong, all of these places, and then obviously the US in Q1 of
2: next year you yeah, you you put a number like 200,000 euros you make it kind of sound quite small now in terms of your own business but uh, just last week at a pitch competition up in Dublin you walked away with 200,000 euros from Sasdoc um that's fairly phenomenal
5: yeah it was pretty good um i think when i when i heard the title of the award that they gave me it said it was best software as a service uh, company in the world uh and i and i was like what and then they were like as voted by people in this room um but yeah, no, it was 200 grand. Um, so it wasn't bad for a day's work, I guess.
2: Yeah. What, what busy, how many times had you to pitch the business and, and what was the competition like? So it was three
5: three pitches. So on the first day, there were 60 companies um, and they were picking at the final six. So I showed up and my, my slides were a year out of date. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, I really should have looked at this before I got here. Um, so I stood up and kind of did the pitch. I like, told them all about Tipple um, and about why I'm passionate about solving this problem. And then we got through and I was like, okay, cool, we're in the final six. and So the next day it was like you stand up in front of a crowd, like it's maybe like, you know, 50, 100 people and there was like Six really good companies. The new were really kind of going like it could be anybody here. You just can't call it. Um, so there was one guy who had this, like this AI vision machine learning tool. So like it would look at um, like let's say you're McDonald's. It would show uh, how much if you're putting too many chips on the plates, and you'll go, well, hey, you need to use less chips, and this is where your wastage is coming from. And we were like, oh, okay. So we stood up there, pitched it, and it, they called out like company number one, company number two, and then me. I was like, oh, okay, great. Uh, And then the final day was up on the main stage. So Sastoc is what, three and a half thousand people um, in a room or in, sorry, the RDS in Dublin. And it's all software as a service, venture capitalists. uh, But it's pretty intimidating because I kind of got up and I was like, okay, look, it's the same as the other two pitches. But when those lights and the big screen are there, and there's cameras everywhere, like
2: oh, am I getting a little bit nervous? Is that what's happening? <laughs> so so strange. Yeah, I mean, you are basically you are putting your 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 whole house on show in terms of everything about it. You know, and maybe there's that kind of sense of is this all going to come crumbling down here on this stage? Now it clearly didn't. Did you get much feedback? Any idea what it was that kind of won the, the voters over? We only won by
5: one point right and that's how close it was that's how good the companies were um, and I'm not exactly sure but it's probably the scalability of what we do so being able to actually scale global having a huge problem that's super complex to solve and that hasn't been tackled so far because it's so complex and also like there hasn't really been the will to solve it whereas now like people have become so much more aware since Covid you know like people want to buy online they want to like you know buy a nice premium bottle have it delivered to the door and that's become way more apparent.
2: I mean, aside from your own uh, previous background in the drinks industry, the growth of the spirits industry in this country and the global export market. I mean, it's start, it's set to double in the next ten years or something, and even treble after that, like as well. And um, clearly, this is something that you know, that obviously that scalability factor really caught people's attention. Um, from those early days of of kind of having the initial ideas for tipple, it sounds like a very quick, it's been, you know, a short period of time to get you to where you are. Um, Have you any guidance out there for somebody who maybe is sitting, they have an idea for a tech platform or startup? Where did it go? What's the first thing they should consider doing? Uh, Talk to your potential customers and see if it's a
5: real problem that you're solving. So, so often people, they just get stuck in and they go, right, I'm going to build this. This is going to be the thing I'm going to take over the world. And it's like, well, no, like you solve a problem, fix a real pain point and see if people will pay you for it. That's really the best advice I can
2: talk and are you talking about doing that with like just say a conceptual thing or actually looking at maybe having like an MVP or a demo version of your software no just literally literally research concept yeah so
5: it's all going to be research and then like figure out what people will pay you like as in if even if you had a set of wireframes if you had like a drawing or a rough idea and then just work it out with the people who are your problem solving for
2: For your own journey, you it sounds like you've kinda stayed outside the dare I say state funded mechanisms, Enterprise Ireland as well. A deliberate action that or Yep. Um so we, we stayed outside of that. It's just way too much paperwork. Um
5: I, honest to God, I just couldn't be. Um,
2: yeah, there's a very Father Ted ring to this now. It was my money kind of thing as well. And in terms of raising the funding too, are you looking within Ireland? Are you looking across the world? Or what's your what's your preference? Or are you need your targets for that?
5: So a lot of the Irish funds we actually can't speak to because they have something called the EIF, so which is the employment or European Investment Fund. Uh, and they've got a clause around a vice so uh, even though we're a tax and compliance business, people see us as alcohol. Um, so we just went straight to the UK, um, went to Monaco, went to the US. They're, they're the place we're dealing in.
2: It's amazing. It's, it sounds like we're talking in 1923, not uh, 2023, actually, when you start talking about alcohol and excise and and, and, and restrictions and, and, and state regulations and all that kind of thing. But, Owen, oh, listen, thanks a million for popping in this evening. Uh, congratulations last week. I was following your post on LinkedIn and you mentioned quite a number of swear words that would probably be used in your pitches. But again, it must have won the voters over. A huge achievement for you. Undoubtedly, you probably have that money uh, Already of sight and where you're going to spend it.
5: Uh, yeah, no, like as in it's it's all good. Just going into scaling. Um, unfortunately, it's
2: it wasn't free money. It wasn't a cash prize. <laughs> um, but uh, no, we're we're gonna use it well. Absolutely, well, Owen, congratulations as well. Look, it's it's another one to watch too, and uh, looking forward to hearing more about it. Actually, how can people find out more about the product?
5: Oh, if they go to uh,
2: heytipple.com, so that's h-e-y tipple.com. Well, Owen Barra, thanks a million. All the very best for that as, as you move forward. Again, another locally grown story that is starts to uh, you know dominate business circles across the world too. And it's fantastic when somebody spots a niche, spots a gap in a market or a service or a platform that doesn't exist, and you go about filling it. And I like Owen's advice there that you know go road test these ideas with your customers first. That's your starting point. And then you can start looking at how you might build it and how you might deliver that as a product too. And uh, undoubtedly, if you are looking for ideas or advice on how to raise funding as well. There's people like Owen Right across the Midlands Who are always happy to advise you And guide you in the right direction on that But uh, always fantastic to hear Of these uh, local people Who are doing such great things out there That is it really For uh, taking care of business for this evening Hopefully you've uh, enjoyed this evening's show A big thanks to all the evening's contributors there To Javon Finn Who you've just heard from the Talking about connected hubs And the new um, guidance book That's put in for governance Across that network of hubs Right across uh, the country uh, To Neil Richmond as well Minister of State At the Department of Enterprise Trade and Employment For taking us through some of those key steps that were announced in the budget last year, particularly that increased cost of business scheme. It's valued over €250 million And anybody that's paying rates up to €20,000 is entitled to a €10,000 refund. That's it, if you're paying at that higher level. But no matter what rate you're paying, you are entitled to about a 50% refund. The application process is pretty much non-existent, according to the Minister. So make sure you're uh, aligned with that and you know how to go about it. Of course, before that, we started the show off talking to Dave Walsh of Dave's Chimney Repairs, based in Dorough County, Offaly. He's been 27 years repairing chimneys and doing general building work and, uh, by all accounts, is absolutely top class at it. And Dave spoke about being able to get your chimney pair true insurance and uh, what to watch out for on that and uh, so look at that's another business another local business that I have to bring that to you this evening stay safe I'm going to vacate the seat here and let Mr Joe Cooney in he's going to be here with Country Roads after news at 8 o'clock other than that I'll talk to you all next Tuesday from 7
0: Taking care of business returns next Tuesday at 7 p.m. with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.